What kind of people are we? I think this year, 2020, the pandemic, a national election, social unrest, racial unrest, has really brought that question to mind for many, many, many more of us. What kind of people are we? What kind of person am I? As I live and move and breathe in this culture, in this country, in this world. And for people of faith, in some ways our faith is tested because we seek to read the signs that are around us and we wonder, what is God up to? Where is God in the midst of all of this, much of which seems like pain and torment and violence and hurtfulness, anger, denigration, whatever strong negative words we can use? What kind of people are we? Well, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is actually conducting what we think is the first New Testament, not capital campaign, but financial campaign. He's reaching out because the church in Jerusalem is undergoing some really bad and hard times. People, the Christians in Jerusalem and the Jerusalem church, which is still connected to the synagogue and to the temple, people are starving. There's a food shortage. The widows and orphans are not being cared for the way that they could be because there aren't the, kind, the resources that are needed. And so Paul has been writing to the other churches that he helped found and saying, you know, who are outside of Jerusalem saying, we need you. We need your contributions to help this other part of the body, of the church, of Christ. And what's interesting here in this in this passage is as it begins in this in chapter 9 is he he basically what I love is he basically is using the Macedonian church he's using the Macedonian church to in some ways to leverage the Corinthian church look at what the Macedonian church has done look at what they're doing we know that you can do a similar thing I don't think, he's not really guilting them. He doesn't talk negatively about Macedonia or about the church in Corinth, but he's encouraging them because he believes that they want to rise up to this opportunity to be the kind of people who give. And he reminds them that he is planning to come to them, but he's sending some others to help collect the offering, all this sort of thing. And, and then he begins to go into the kind of people that we are. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And so he begins to talk about what kind of people we are, and I, and I really believe this goes back to 
This goes back to the belief about who we were created to be and who created us. I've been sharing, and I've shared this a lot, but I'm going to share it again here, is that there are, there are denominations and there are churches and there are people and believers who end up in one camp or another as it comes to who we are as people. One is the Genesis 3 kind of people. And in Genesis 3, biblical scholars, what's, what happens in Genesis 3? The fall. Very good, Adam Morgan, from in the back of the room. The fall. Now, it's not like the fall that we're in now. It's not a season. But the fall, and it's never called that in the Bible. It's only called that outside of the Bible. What this means is it's the story of Adam and Eve and about them disobeying God and about them, in a sense, revealing the fact that human beings are sinful, that we, we would rather look out for ourselves than do the works of God. And so there are many people and many denominations that, that leverage that, that we are broken, we are sinful, and we are in need of a Savior. And they want to beat that drum as hard as they can. And in some ways, you know, if you, if you grew up in, in a church like that, every Sunday, even though you might have gone to church every Sunday, they would be calling you to repentance and calling you to renew your faith in Christ. Come up to the altar and make your confession again because you are a pitiful sinner. And then there are Genesis 1 Christians. What happens in Genesis 1? creation. God says, I've made all these things and I've made all these people and they're not just good. God says about people, God says, and about the creation, is very good. Tov meod is the the Hebrew. It's very good. And so, in, in some other churches, like, oh, well, people are good, and so we don't, we don't talk about sin very much or brokenness very much, and we don't, we don't think about confession very much, because, you know, that feels kind of icky, and, you know, maybe we don't want to think badly of ourselves or other people and, and, and all of that. And so, what kind of people are we? Well, this pastor has always said, we are both and. That's why I love the biblical narratives is because they're both in there because they're both true. We are wonderfully made. God said we are made very good. God said let's make them in our likeness. Let's give them our spirit. Let's give them the breath of life. And at the same time just open up a newspaper, look at your news app, turn on the TV, and you can see the brokenness, the sinfulness, the depravity of human beings. They're both true. But what kind of people are we? When we live into and we let the brokenness take us over, when we believe that part of ourselves is the ruling part, or maybe we don't even care about that, we don't even think about that, we're just living out of what the culture would tell us to be and do, we're, we're miserly. We hoard. We don't ever think that whatever we have, for those of us who have, is enough. How much is enough? The next dollar. 
the next job, the next sale, the next thing, the next car. We're miserly, we hoard, we look out only for ourselves and in doing that we seek to denigrate others because the only way I can be lifted up is if I push somebody else down. That is our brokenness, our sinfulness, our depravity talking. And when we do this, we work against God's image in us. We work against the work of Christ who overcame our sin and brokenness and gave us a new life. A new life to live. A life that can be fully lived in the image of God. And yes, we, it's a both and. And that is, that is the, that's the hard and uncomfortable part. And that is what keeps us humble before God is the fact that we know even when we think we're acting out of the best interests of other people, we're often acting in our own interests. We're looking to puff ourselves up with pride. We're looking to make sure that people notice what we're doing. We're looking to get our name on a building. To be remembered forever because of our pride and our brokenness. And we deny the work of Christ in us and we deny the image of God in us. But what kind of people are we? Paul calls the Corinthians to be people who so who sow bountifully, to stop being the kind of people who sow sparingly, who, who are miserly, who are generous because we realize and we know that what we have been given, who we are and what we have is all a complete gift from God. And then without God, we have nothing. And that doesn't mean material things necessarily, but that just means that we have nothing. We have no purpose. We have no meaning. We only have to look out for ourselves. Paul talks about and calls the Corinthians to a place where they are people who give because that is who they are. They give because that is who they are. At the core of their being, they are created in God's image just like us and they are created in God's image and this God is a generous, creating and creative God, a compassionate and merciful God to overflowing, a God who is a community and calls us into a community, the Father, the Son and the Spirit, all held together, creating and being creative being generous with us and calling us into that kind of life where we are together in community and we are the kind of people who give bountifully. We give bountifully and we give cheerfully because we have the opportunity to bless others. Because the opportunity arises, not because it suits us and not because it benefits us necessarily, though any good Presbyterian or Reformed theologian would tell you that, you know, again, anytime we're doing something that we think is good, it, it, you know, pride can creep in there, some brokenness can creep in there. So we're, we're not just running around thinking we're great because of that, but, but we begin to live into this new creation in a wholehearted way. And God begins to shift and to transform us so that our brokenness does not overwhelm us. 
And Paul here talks about that God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance and so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And many people have read those and some other passages that sort of make this, it seems to make this promise that if you give, you will get back tenfold. And there are some heretical theologies, I'm going to call them out, that basically say, well, if you give, then you will become rich materially. And I don't think that's biblical. What Paul is talking about here, I think, especially, is that we give these things and we live into who we are as people of God It is not that we get wealth back in terms of material wealth, but that we get a wealth of heart and a wealth of spirit. The biblical commentator William Barclay wrote that. That it is not a wealth of things, but it is a wealth of heart and a wealth of spirit, which is the greatest kind of wealth. And so, if we are not able to give financial resources, if we, are, if we do not have those kind of things, God has given all of us ways to give cheerfully and bountifully. We can give love, we can give mercy, we can give compassion because God is overwhelming us with those things for us if we are willing to open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds to receive them and to live out through them. We do not need to denigrate the other side or someone who doesn't think like we do. We need to have compassion for that person. We need to be praying with and for that person. We need to be seeking how we can draw people together to move forward, to help people who are oppressed, to help people who are being put down by the systems and the principalities and the power that many of us enjoy the privilege of. We need to have our, the scales dropped from our eyes to see how we can give joyfully and bountifully to create a world that moves forward with justice and hope and mercy and compassion and for us as Christians in the name of Christ. That's who we are. That's where we stake our claim, is on Christ and his work for us and for all people. And so we are not those who engage in internet fights over things. We engage in putting out the good things of the world to encourage people to come along on a journey where our hearts and our minds are changed from being fearful and afraid to wondering what kind of people we are to living into the kind of people and the kind of person that Christ has made us to be. This is who Christ calls us to be. And this is who Christ has set us free to be. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.